Now, welcome to all my viewers on my podcast with a special guest and friend of mine, Mr. Ryan Tuckwood. How are you, mate? I'm very well, sir. Thank you very much for having me on. Well, thank you very much for being on the show. Now, you've got a very interesting journey. We met, I think it was, a, what, a year or two ago? Uh, yeah, it would have been, um, it was the, uh, when I was emceeing the Young Entrepreneur of the Year Awards, I think, was it? Yeah, which you did an amazing job, by the way. And I looked at it and I said, there's a very flamboyant young man out there. You had a very colorful suit on, I can remember. And while reading up on your bar, I understand you love style and uh, different clothes as well. So obviously that was evident with how you dressed. Now, tell me a bit about yourself, Ryan. Um, well, uh, that might be a good place to start. Yeah, I do. Um, I'm a bit of an extrovert sort of dress sense, I'm sure we say. I'm quite conservative um, today, but on the day I met you, I think I had a canary yellow uh, blazer on. You did. Um, but um, I guess that would almost be an oxymoron to, to my personality. I'm, I'm an introvert by nature, but an extrovert by, by dress. I always say I like to be um, the best dressed person that sits in a room by himself um, and doesn't see anybody. It's, it's all for me. But um, my, my background is engineering. Um, predominantly, I was a mechanical maintenance engineer for, for eight years in the UK. Um, and then I, uh, I got to what I call my quarter life crisis at the age of 27, where uh, I started to think that maybe there might be a little bit more out there um, in the world and decided to jump on a plane, move over to Australia and um, fell kicking and screaming into the world of the world of sales, um, which uh, winds me up here now on the beautiful Gold Coast and, and uh, nearly, t nearly 10 years, 10 years in October since I, since I arrived um, and now I'm fortunate enough to, to coach people all around the world, the art of what we call ethical sales. ISR is the training uh, platform. Now, a few things that obviously intrigued me. When you said you were an uh, introvert, that shocked me because you didn't seem like an introvert. And um, obviously, being in sales, it is, a, it, is a, it is bizarre that you're an introvert. But you, um, you also appeared on Shark Tank, didn't you? Yeah, we, we, we did. We were um, fortunate or, or stupid enough to go, to go on there a, a few years ago. Um, and and if, you, if you did know my personality back then, even just two years ago, it was March 2018, we went to film it. Um, the, I think the pertinent part about that story is just two months before we went on in January, we held our first face-to-face -face seminar and I, I had a, a debilitating fear of public speaking um, and, and we had three people turn up for our event and I, I didn't do it. Um, I literally bottled it. I opened the door, looked out, saw three people sitting there and didn't do it. And then within two months, my business partner and I went on to, to Shark Tank, which was a hell of an experience. Um, and and, and really, it just kind of laid the platform for what we're trying to create here, which is a business that changes the perception of sales and salespeople. Um, so having those guys, um, uh, it's been well publicized. We, we secured Andrew, Steve, and Glenn as um, shareholders um, and advisors now to the board. And um, we're the first, first company in the history of the show to get three. So it's been, um, it's been an amazing journey. That's massive. So well done on that because I saw that. And um, you mentioned you almost froze on stage. I'll share something with you, Ryan, that I haven't shared with anyone, actually. Last year, I was, or two years ago, I think it was, I was about to go on stage in front of about 2,000 people, 81 countries. And I looked out, and let me tell you, it was absolutely terrifying. And a small part of me, when they announced my name, thought about going the other way and not actually going on stage. And I thought to myself, oh, my God, what have I done? But I got on there. First minute was terrifying. Then I found my groove. So understand that feeling. And they say people's number one fear is actually public speaking. Number two is death. Yes, it, it just swapped around, right? Uh, last year, I think. Yeah, yeah it's bizarre. Jerry Seinfeld uh, commented on it and said people will prefer to be doing the eulogy than being the casket. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, 
Swiss, you, you, you're an engineer by trade for 10 years. You decided to just get up and go, come to Australia. Why was that? That's a pretty big move. Um, I guess, I mean, there's a, there's a, a longer story behind it. I always felt that I was born in the wrong country. I actually lived in Greece when I was 18 for, for six months. Um, I was one of those annoying people that worked outside the bars. Um, and I was try so I've always kind of had like a, a want to step out of my comfort zone. And, and maybe there was something inside me that, um, I just, I, I didn't intrinsically have enough drive to, to pull out. Um, and, uh, for, for me, if, if I take it right to the root cause, I remember I was working with a guy called Merv, um, who I, um, I still state to this day, I'm writing a book and he's in my book, um, a Scottish guy and he was in his 50s and I worked with him day in, day out um, on the tools, covered in grease and oil. And he, he, he told me a story about how when he was in his 20s, he always wished he'd moved to Australia and he was so close to moving to Australia and his wife talked him out of it. They ended up splitting up. Um, there was a broken house with the kids and he just constantly resented her for it. Um, and, uh, and now he lived a life of frustration. Um, and I'm like, this is going to end up being me. Um, and I just remember I had, a, I had a girlfriend of five years. We had a house together. We had a Siberian Husky. I had an Audi TT. I thought I'd made it. And um, I just decided, no, nah, I, I need to try something. Um, and decided that I was going to jump on a plane and go backpacking for a while and, and wound up initially in Sydney, um, as, as all good backpackers do, because there's nowhere else in Australia when you live in England. And... Um, and then traveled up the coast of Cairns and, and got all the way down to, to, to Gold Coast and, and never, never looked back. So I think it was that the kicker was hearing stories of other people's regrets, um, really, that kind of pushed me towards it. And, and interspersed in all of that as well, Chris, was um, my dad um, in 2001 was, was diagnosed with esophagus cancer. And he's, um, he's still with us today, but he's highly disfigured. Um, he's lost half his face. He, he's not been able to work for nearly 20 years. And um, they, they, my mum and dad were pivotal in saying to me, look, you literally have no idea when this can be taken away from you. Um, he, he, he got cancer at 43. And I remember, I remember thinking that he was quite old at that stage, right? Um, and I'm, I'm 37 now. Uh, that's not far away. So I just had a lot of things. Also, I had, a, I had one of my best friends die in a car crash. And I'm like, you just never know. And all of that kind of came together to make me jump on this plane and, and move out to the other side of the world with no idea what I was going to do when I got over here. Um, and it's all started to fall into place. I love that because as my, as my uh, name suggests, Relentless Life on Your Terms, I've got a few things I wanted to share with you. Now, you, those stories really resonate with me, to be honest. I had a 37-year-old cousin who I was like this as I grew up with who passed from cancer. And um, stories like that can happen so quick and you, just, you, don't, you don't really know how lucky you are until things are gone. And it's funny you say that because in this pandemic, we really took so much things for granted that we don't really realize. Like, I've got to come into the office with a mask now. There's so many little things we took for granted face-to-face. -face. Now we're doing this, you know, on Skype. So it's so many things that have changed that, that I guess we take for granted. And this, I guess this pandemic's taught us that. So you're, you've trained hundreds, thousands of people around the world. How has this affected your business being, I assume you're mostly face-to-face -face and doing presentations, would that be correct? Um, yeah, previously we were. Um, when, we, when we first started the organization, we, we actually started as a sales training company, um, a non-for-profit recruitment sales company. So we recruited job seekers and put them into, um, into businesses totally free of charge. And the way we would make our money um, or, or break even essentially was, uh, we would take $99 a week out of the job seekers wage for the first 10 weeks um, once we got them into a role. Um, and it was an unheard of business model. Um, and we, and, it, and what, it did, what it did, it allowed us to, to say, hey, Chris, you've got a fantastic organization there. 
I've got this job seeker, Paul or Sarah. They've got no experience, but we're going to train them. We're going to put them through a two-day boot camp. We're going to give them digital training for, for 10 weeks. Um, and our aim was to get them to be the number one performer in your organization in that 10 weeks. And what it, what it did um, was uh, give us an ability to go, hey, we're actually pretty bloody good at what we teach. And then you would then come back and go, well, if you could do that with him, can you train the rest of my team? And that's how we made our money through corporate training on the back end. So, um, so it did transverse to, to, um, to a lot of physical training um, in the early days. And what we, re what we realized back in, it was probably about 2016 slash 17, so way before Shark Tank, was people were getting inspired after training. There was this big boost of motivation and people were having a, a bit of a spike in results for 30, 60 days. And then they would regress back um, to their old ways, which is just human nature. So we, we decided to take the, the training digital. Um, and then by the time the, the investors, the sharks came on board, that we just had conversations about what we wanted to create here. And we wanted to impact as many people as possible around the world. And the only way to do that was to really focus on the digital training. So right now, as we speak, mid we're still mid COVID, I guess. Um, yeah, we are. Um, digital has obviously become a hundred percent of our, of our training. Um, and, and this, I'd class this as digital as well. Um, cool. And the results have gone through the roof. Um, it's been unbelievable. We've been able to impact people all around the world and I don't have to travel. I've got a young baby boy. I've got another one on the way. So I've got that work life balance, whatever that is. Um, a little bit better. I was on a plane every couple of days and, and as you, you probably know, it's not actually as glamorous as it, as it sounds. Um, it sounds like it is, Ryan, but you know what? Traveling, I can, I don't know how many, six times around the world in, in a year, traveling to stay constantly. Now being home and being, I'm a father of four as well, it's so much nicer and calmer. To, but to have this ability, we now have a world platform. So for me, I looked at my business and I said, you know what? This is an opportunity instantly to go national, mm -hmm. instantly to reach other clients and to impact other people, which is what you're doing with your training. Now, one thing that really resonated with me, 10 years you're an engineer, you practically started, came from, you're an expat, came from overseas, and you're sleeping on someone's couch and you had 31 cents to your name, which I love those stories because I've, I've got a one similar to that nature. Two times you, you came young entrepreneur of the year in the top 100, similar stories as well, which is why I met you. What was that key moment that you backed yourself and said, you know what, I need to make a key change. And I want to go one step before that. Uh, um, are you, uh, do you believe in signs and spiritual things, Ryan? That's an interesting one. Um, my instant answer is no. Um, so I'm not, I'm not particularly religious and I always say I'm not really spiritual, but I feel that the older I'm getting, the more spiritual I'm getting. Um, and I don't know what that means just yet because I haven't explored it properly. Um, so I can't give you a sophisticated answer to it. Um, but I, uh, I'm definitely getting, I'm, I'm more along the lines of, um, of karma and doing right by people and energies and, um, what you focus on, you attract like manifestation. I've got a vision board. Like, so, so the ethical sales part, right? Is that right? So ethical sales. The reason for the question, a little birdie told me somebody got a reading that they're going to go overseas and they packed up and left and went overseas and started living in Sydney. Now, do you know who that was, Ryan? Was that me? That was. So yeah. I was very, very surprised when I heard such an interesting fact about someone that they got a reading, decide to pack it all up, 10 years an engineer, live yeah. on someone's couch at 31 cents, be inspired to then go on Shark Tank, transfer thousands of people worth of lives with 31 cents. So that's why I asked that question. So 
It's Sorry just, I digressed, but I had to bring up that point because I found it fascinating. No, it's amazing. And I appreciate you doing the research to find that out as well. And that, and I alluded to him a minute ago. So Merv, um, the, the Scottish guy. There. So Merv was the guy um, that after hearing his story about regret and not, and not traveling and moving to the other side of the world, he said he was quite spiritual. And he said, look, there's a lady that I go and see called Julie. Um, you need to go and see her. And my instant reaction was like, mate, are you kidding me? No way. Um, and I'm, so I, I put it off, I put it off. And then he went, just go, he goes, I'll pay for you. And she was, I think this was uh, many over a decade ago. I think it's like hundred pounds, which would have been quite a lot of money. He said, I'll, I'll pay for you. This is how much I believe in her. I'll pay for you to go for a session. And he drove me there and we went and uh, went upstairs to her, um, this little room and she sat at the table with her and she's got all these cards and, I'm, I'm for anybody that does personality profiling, I'm a C personality type. I'm, I'm very logical. Um, I'm very skeptical. I don't trust people in general. I don't know why it's uh, just my trait. And, um, she sat down and she started asking me a few questions and I'm like, nah, I'm closed book. You're not getting nothing out of me. And then all of a sudden she said to me, she stopped doing what she was doing and she just went, you miss your granddad, don't you? And I went, yeah. Um, yeah. And I hadn't, obviously I hadn't said anything. And Merv, and Merv didn't even know this story either. So I'm freaking out at this stage. And then she said, so your granddad died, what, when you were two? Um, and he did. He died when I was two years old. So I, I miss him, but I didn't really, I don't remember an awful lot. I, I only have one memory. And then she said to me, you miss him, you miss running the little car up and down his leg, don't you? And I went, and I got like goosebumps all over me. Um, and that is the only memory I have of my granddad is running a little toy car up and down his shin, um, sitting on the floor. And my parent, my mum said to me, I used to do it all the time. And he had a heart attack when he was in his, in his fifties well. and he died really early. Um, so, um, and as soon as she said that, I believed everything else she said to me. I just, I just, I just went. Um, and she said, you were born in the wrong country, which is something I'd always said to Merv. That was the language I'd use to Merv. And she said, you, you, you're born in the wrong country. You should be living in the sun. There's more out there for you. Um, and within, I reckon within five weeks, I'd broken up with my girlfriend of five years. Um, I decided to sell my, my cars, sold everything and, and jumped on a plane and, and, and left. And um, yeah, so that was a, a hugely pivotal moment in me initially jumping on a plane and, and moving over to the other side of the world. Well, look, we're very grateful for, for the psychic and Merv for putting it down. <laughs> Sometimes I do believe in sign. Now you mentioned before karma. I think everything's energy. Mm. I think even wealth is a transfer of energy and it all comes through a cycle. Good energy around comes back. Karma comes around. You mentioned ethical sales, which is something that's very, very important to me. And I'm definitely going to be hiring your services for our business because once a year, as I mentioned to you offline, we hire different people in sales to, to, to train my team. We, we, we believe a lot in coaching and learning from people, but being the fact that you've helped so many people around the world, you see different techniques. You see, you see the same habits and patterns as well when it comes to sales, good habits, bad habits. Now um, I wanted to ask you this question. Now I read, I, do you believe a great salesperson is born or made? Cause I had this question asked to me because I've been in sales since I was 10 years old and I love, I'm obsessed in sales and I learned a lot and I do a lot of courses even to today because it's communication. So I think, it's very, very important. Born or made? Um, for me, made. Um, and, and I only say that based around me and my journey. Um, and I like what you just said there. Um, it's communication. So Andrew Banks, one of our investors, yeah. he, he said this when he came on board. Um, he said, this isn't sales training. Um, this is communication coaching. 
um, and every single business in the world and every single human being Love can benefit it. from having a better ability to communicate the value of what they offer. Um, and, um, and he's a pretty smart guy. So I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll take your word for it. So, um, so for me, can we communicate our truth better, which is sales? So, so you've got a truth. I've got a story. Um, I, for instance, I never used to share any of what I've just shared already today. I never used to talk about Merv. I never spoke about my dad being sick. I never spoke about sleeping. You said a couch. It was a bathroom floor, uh, but it's close enough. Um, I never used to share that because I was embarrassed. Like I, I'd always... I, I, that's your origin. That's your story. That's, that's what makes you you. That's why people resonate. And, and I heard that and I was, I was inspired. When I heard someone that had that mindset to do that, and from that background, I was the same. I didn't want to share my story. Do you know why? I go, everyone's got a story. Yes. I, I've heard of a billion of them. I don't care. Yeah. I used to say the same thing. And when I wrote a book and I actually started putting that pen to paper, I saw the power in it, but it didn't change other people. It changed me first and allowed me to share that. And for me, that was massive. So, and look at your story. For me, that's, that's inspired me listening to that. Yeah, I, I appreciate it. And I think that's one thing that I've really learned um, over time is that, um, you're always going to get people who kind of question your story, question your background, successful, unsuccessful, whatever. Um, but if you can impact one person because you've inspired them by being vulnerable and, and, and that for me is the most powerful trait in sales is to, it's an ability to be vulnerable and open yourself up. And when you do that, the other person will open up, which will give you more intelligence, which will give you an ability to tailor a presentation, tailor a conversation and really, really connect with somebody. Um, and that, that's what we say, like our mission is to, to create authentic relationship driven um, approaches to, to sales and communication. This is not about, you, you referenced it, um, 1980s regurgitated sales tactics. They're, they're, there's no silver bullet. Um, there, there's a compound effect of doing the one percenters right. Um, and one of those um, one percenters is, is being vulnerable, opening up and telling your truth. Um, and when you do that, you, you have re genuine relationships with people and we do business with people that we, we do connect with. The old no like, and trust is, it's a bit old, old school, but um, it still does ring true. Yeah, look, it's true. People that, and we saw it, people don't care how much you know, they care how much you care. And also it's, yeah, you listen to someone that you like, but you work with someone that you trust. And how do you trust someone? By sharing your story of being vulnerable, I think opens that up. And it shows that you're human. Yeah. The reason I asked you that question, because I believe, on the contrary, that I think a great salesperson is born, yeah. but you can be made. But I think with that ability, and I'll tell you why, um, all the courses that I did, old ones, Brian Tracy, Zig Ziglar, you name them, Alan Peace, to the current superstars of today, I do them all. Yeah. And the funny thing is, everything they taught me, I was doing most of them as an, instinctively as a 10-year-old kid. Yeah. Now, I was refining my process and communicating better, <laughs> But I think after 10,000 hours, anyone can learn anything from the right person. You can level up. But I think, I think having that natural thing opens you up a little bit to go a little further. But with 10,000 hours, anyone can learn anything, I guess, is the short I, version. I think, is, I think you, you need to want to learn it. I mean, you, you asked me what my catalyst was. I, and, and I went into the story about the, the psychic initially. But there was, a, there was a second part to it where I didn't want to learn sales. Like I, I, I was... Why? Um, I have to ask why. I okay. see that on your bio too. And you said you never wanted to be on sales. I see you as a great communicator. You connect well. Why? Um, I think I had all the preconceived ideas that everybody do about salespeople, that they're, they're, they're cheesy, they're sleazy, they're just commission orientated. And I, as an introvert, 
Um, and as somebody that I, I always got on with everybody, like I was, I never got detention at school. Um, I was academically, I was okay. I was a good boy. Right. And um, I, the idea of getting in trouble with the police or doing something wrong would just, I, or upsetting my parents like that, that would break my heart. The fact that I would do something, something naughty. Right. Um, which is just normal kid stuff. So I just never did anything like that. So in my head, salespeople had been revered as um, pushy and manipulative. And I'm like, well, that's not a personality trait that I want to align myself with. So when I moved over here, I, when I fell into sales, I just thought, well, I'm a nice guy. I'll be okay at it. People, people seem to like me. I never ruffle feathers. Um, and I've, been, I've actually had this said to me a lot um, as I've been growing as a, as a thought leader and somebody that speaks from stage. I need to be more opinionated. I need to say when I don't agree with things. And it's something that I'm having to learn to actually um, be comfortable yeah. to, to do. Because I don't agree with everybody, but previously I would never say so, right? Um, so my, my crisis point, as you, as you said, when I, I was sleeping on a bathroom floor, 31 cents to my name, and I'm, I'm the 21st salesperson out of 21, I didn't want to continue and I quit. And I, and I, I did. I, I went to my sales manager at the time and I, and I said to him, I'm throwing the towel in. And it was only that day that he set me a, a challenge where I had nothing to lose because he actually offered to pay for my flights home or anywhere in the world um, if I just committed for 60 days of learning. And he just said to me, I want you to go through, and you reference some of them, Zig Ziglar, Brian Tracy, Jim Rowan, Tom Hopkins, um, oh, yeah. Keith, um, all that. He said, you do that for 15 minutes a day for 60 days. And if you're still bottom of the sales board, then I'll pay for your flights. Um, so at that stage, it was almost, there was still a resistance, but I, I did it and I did it to actually prove a point. I wanted to prove that sales couldn't be learned. I wanted to go, well, look, no, you're wrong. You're just a natural salesperson. Um, and then what happened to me was, was the opposite. Uh, my engineering brain recognized that sales was a process. It is. There is a system and a, and a formula to human buying behaviors. And then I almost had a reluctant penny drop where I'm like, oh, bugger, um, this can be learned. And then I went from 21st to first in five weeks. Um, so, so I didn't love sales. I learned to love the process of sales first. And then as a natural byproduct of that, I started to love sales. And now that's where this business was formed. Now I'm passionate about showing other people the same. So um, I guess there's a caveat that maybe people are born with it and they want to learn it and then they can, they can get great at it. And then there's people like me that are resistant to it. And they're the ones that I really want to find um, and turn into world-class. Well, that's great. Look, I, to be honest, I was obsessed in it as 10. I'm obsessed in it at 40. I loved it because I didn't have that story from bottom to top. I just used to go into a sales environment. I used to ask two questions and I was hired at every interview. I went, who's your best performer in here? Can I spend one week with them? Yeah, nice. And there was, I think, door-to-door, telemarketing, selling raffle tickets, selling homes, selling finance, you name it, I've done it. Uh, fast way couriers, and I can reference the name of the best performer in any of these organizations because I took their spot and I go, who's the best? Give me a week. Yeah, nice. And for me, I trained like I was the bottom, no matter what my results said, because I wanted to learn. And I remember I was at No Limit selling real estate. I sold 84 houses in my first year. Out of 11 months, I got nine first two seconds. And the two seconds that I got, I went up to the person that beat me. I said, do you mind if I spend the night with you and go out and watching you? And he goes, are you serious? I go, yeah, I, I want to see what you did. He goes, yeah, you can come out. So, and always what I used to go see is things that I've forgotten to do or yeah, whatever, whatever it was. And it was always fascinating to see because that's why I've always been obsessed in sales. I think it's, it's a great thing. And I think people do see it as a, when you think of a salesperson, you think of sleazy, you think of commission breath, you think of that. And I thought, you know what? 
if I'm selling something that I believe in, and I've had people say to me, I've sold homes that have grown 150 grand. If it wasn't for you when I got into real estate, if it wasn't for you when I got the finance for me, I go, that's why I love sales. Yeah. And yeah. communication's key. Now, congratulations on all your success. I'm looking forward to working with you, Ryan. Thank you very much for being on my show. Good luck with your second boy. Love your first boy's name as well, Maverick Ace. It's a killer name. <laughs> Love your story and origin. And thanks for being on my podcast. For anyone that wants to reach out to you to improve their sales and to grow their business, how do they do that, Ryan? Um, I'll pretty much cross all the socials. Um, LinkedIn um, is a really easy way to, to, to reach me. Um, otherwise, ISR training, not the IRS, ISR um, training. Um, and uh, yeah, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, we're, we're pretty much everywhere. But uh, I'm an open book. If you reach out and reference this podcast, um, obviously, um, I'd love to have a conversation with you. Last question, what does SWISS stand for? Uh, selling with integrity and selling honestly. Okay. And there's an acronym, which there, is? Yeah. So, so there's two parts to, to the SWISH acronym. So that firstly, it's the mindset of selling with integrity, selling honestly. And then secondly, it's, um, it's a holistic approach to sales. So it's um, the first S is state of mind. So getting our mindset in the right place before we even do an, uh, go into an interaction. Um, the W is winning first impression. So how to master that physically over the phone, digitally. Um, the I is, um, is recognizing how to um, uh, understand different personality types. Um, so we um, to communicate with all different personality types. So we go into like disc personality profiling, buying behaviors. The second S is securing clients for life. Um, so that's the closing, the business end of a conversation. And then the H is harnessing a world-class culture. So um, how can we work together collaboratively and bring everybody together to move forward? And there you have it. And as you mentioned earlier in the podcast, it's all a process. Sales is a science and you can teach it. So thank you, Ryan. I'll speak to you soon. Have a great day, mate. Appreciate it.